Anisha had come to me and pretty much said, uh, I feel like we need to get back to our first love and to remember that day that we got saved and remember what it felt like. Um, I know I remember that, right? Like I remember being in a hall and going up to the front and everything changed from that day forward. And it hasn't been perfect by any stretch, but it's never been the same. And uh, it's a great reminder, actually. It really is. So I was very encouraged by that. Um, so yeah, as Mike said, we went to Milnerton this morning, which was awesome. Uh, it was really good. It's wonderful to see other congregations and how they operate. And uh, Blake was with us, uh, Michelle's husband. And uh, Blake walked in and he was like, I feel like I've been so welcomed. And I thought Musenberg was the only church that welcomed people like this. And I think he was a bit like, oh, okay. And he's like, you guys are all the same. You just welcome people. It's amazing. And he was super amped, so it was super cool. Do you want to say something? Are you, just, are you, just, are you doing the tithe box? <laughs> like the tithe box is like this anomaly now. Like we're not used to it anymore. Yeah, it's like, what's going on? Yeah, okay. So I wanted to preach from a passage of scripture, which a lot of you will know. And it's a very well-known story. But I wanted to offer a little bit of a different approach to it. Uh, and I want to speak through a few things. So it's the, it's the story of Thomas. And... Uh, for better or worse, we all know that Thomas has always been called Doubting Thomas, and that's in Scripture. So I'm sure in heaven sometimes he gets a bit of a, a, <laughs> a, a ribbing, yeah, guys. Uh, but I, as I was just reading the story, there's just something that I kind of I saw there that I hadn't really seen before, and I wanted to share it with you guys. Um, and I think it's for us as a church, and how we approach church, and how we how we as a church work. We've been going through this whole series of foundations, right, of what it means, who we are as a church, what we hold as our core foundations and our values. And I do believe this one, this passage, does bring something out of that. So it's quite a long one. I'm going to read it. It's John 20, 19 to 29. You can open your Bibles there. Okay. That says this. It was the first day of the week. And that very evening, while the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you, he said to them. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his sides. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so also I am sending you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sin, they are forgiven. And if you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, unless I see the nail marks in his hand and put my fingers where the nails have been and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were once again inside the doors locked and Thomas was with them. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas replied, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me, yet have believed. That's a well-known story, and it's an amazing piece of scripture. 
So the context of this passage is Jesus has risen. Mary Magdalene has seen him first, and then he appears to his disciples in this room. And they have this incredible experience of seeing and talking to and meeting the resurrected Christ. That was just for a dramatic effect. <laughs> I can try, okay. I'm not going to worry about that. So they have this encounter with Jesus where they meet the resurrected Christ. And it's an incredibly holy moment, right? Because oh, we're all getting distracted by the door. No, 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 not your fault. <laughs> okay. Let's see how that goes. Okay. Okay, Jules is at it now. Okay. <laughs> No, he's not there yet. <laughs> hey! Satan has been defeated in this building tonight. <laughs> Doors are closed. He's not coming back in. Okay, where was I? Okay, so Jesus has been resurrected. It's an awesome moment. The disciples are seeing him in his resurrected body. And I think we spoke a little bit a few weeks ago about Jesus in his glorified body. But it's this incredible holy moment. Imagine being the disciple. You've just seen Jesus crucified. And a lot of, most of them are going like, okay, he's going to rise, he's going to come back. And he does. And he meets them in this room, the room that is locked. And Jesus appears to them. And he appears to them as they are hiding in fear from the Jews. Okay, they weren't in a terribly good position or place at that time. They were kind of going, what is going on? And people are out to kill us. And as Jesus comes and appears to them, he says these amazing words, peace be with you, he said to them. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Now imagine being in a room with the resurrected Christ. You must just be going, this is incredible. This is all going to happen now. What Jesus said is all coming to pass. This is amazing. But then we look at verse 24, because it's something that hasn't been mentioned up until this point. Because in verse 24, it says these words, and I'm paraphrasing, Thomas was absent. Which means, when the ten were there, minus Judas, Thomas is not with them. Now, they, we don't really know why Thomas wasn't there. And I'm sure all of us can go around the room and maybe guess why was Thomas not with the other disciples. Obviously, it was a crazy time. They were hiding from the Jews. Their lives were in danger. But why was he missing? Maybe we need to consider the circumstances and, and what was hindering him. Maybe he was filled with grief. Maybe doubt or sorrow over the apparent death of Jesus. And, and sometimes, or maybe that solitude was his only comfort. How often do we find that when we are in, in pain and need people the most, that's the time when we withdraw the most? And maybe that's just what human nature does sometimes. When we really need to be around people in our time of sorrow, sometimes we can retreat and just be alone. And I think sometimes that's what Thomas was experiencing. And by not being there, by not being in this room where Jesus was, 
There were a few things that Thomas missed out on. Sure, he, he missed out on the first appearance of the resurrected Christ. But also, he missed out on these words that were never to be repeated by our Lord. Again, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so also I am sending you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. For if anyone if if, any, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you would hold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Or think of the parallel verse of this very narrative in Luke 24, 44 to 49, where Jesus says this, and he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what's written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem. You are the witness to all these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Now, Imagine being Thomas in this place of being filled with doubt, being filled with anguish, with being filled with fear. And actually, those words from Jesus were the very words that you needed to hear to alleviate any doubt that you had. In fact, I think Thomas, out of all of them, was the one who needed to see Jesus the most. But instead... Thomas gets these excited, first-hand accounts of seeing the resurrected Jesus from the other disciples. When they say, we have seen the Lord. But this fails to offer him any comfort, because his words say this. But he replied, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails have been and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. You see, he's listening to the disciples' story of what has happened. Now, how many times have we missed something, maybe a dinner party or who goes to, I mean, who, no, no one goes to live concerts anymore. Is that even a thing? I don't know. <laughs> Who's your favorite band? Who would you like love to go and see? This is going to be a good test. You too. Okay, I'll go with you too. You too is not my favorite band. <laughs> I only listen to Christian music. <laughs> and then we can get into the whole debate about how YouTube is Christian but in, uh, YouTube, YouTube <laughs> YouTube is definitely not Christian no. <laughs> so we know the scenario of like you've, you've been somewhere you've done something, you've seen something and then you go back to your friend and go and I saw you two in concert and you are super excited and they're like ah, yeah, I missed it and no matter how much they explain it to you, how awesome it was, you're just like, man, I wasn't there. I missed it. And you have missed it. They, they can tell you a certain amount and be like, hey, Bono was doing this thing. It was super cool. And then the Edge did this crazy solo. See, I know a lot about a band that I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> but it's never going to be the same as actually have been there. And this is what Thomas gets from that. And I don't think they meant it in a malicious way at all. It's just they, they're trying to, in excitement, explain to him what has happened. We have seen the Lord. 
And Thomas goes, unless I see him, I can't believe. And in fact, the Bible then says that Thomas needs to wait eight full days before he gets to see the Lord. Eight more days of doubt and anguish. Eight long days until he gets any kind of relief. That is a long time. I mean, I feel like what happened last week was a month ago, but I mean, time is just, I can't understand time anymore post-COVID. So Thomas finds himself in this situation. But just as we think everything is lost and Thomas has missed out completely, God in his grace and his mercy comes back a second time. And in a sense, he comes back just for Thomas. Because Thomas needs it. And he comes back and he's in the room and he says again, peace be with you. And Thomas sees the Christ and, and, and grace is extended to him. And Thomas then replies, my Lord and my God. He too can finally say, I have seen the Lord. But I think due to whatever circumstances kept him from being there, he prolonged the process a little bit. And I don't want to blame him, but maybe it was his fault a little bit. <laughs> huh? Maybe he had a stomach bug. Yeah. Shame Haka apologizes for not being here. She's got a very bad stomach bug. So. And as I read this passage, I have to think of the church. I have to look at this and go, there's parallels in this to the church and how we approach church. So let me talk us through three thoughts. Just three. I'm not going to be long tonight, I promise. I think I went a bit long this morning and I exhausted myself. I was literally like, I staggered out of there. I, was, I left it all on the floor. It was amazing. So the first thought is this. What can keep us from the fellowship? And the what I want to ask is, have we, like Thomas, ever let our emotions, distractions, our disappointments, our frustrations keep us, or our fears, keep us from meeting together with the saints? Or how often do we remove ourselves from the body when we need it the most? I can't tell you the number of times Heike would come back from a meeting when I wasn't in a great space and be you should have been in that meeting. <sighs> Heike's always right. I mean, you guys know that, right? So she's my wife, I love her. <laughs> and I'd always be like, yeah, no. <laughs> and I always had a reason why I wasn't there. Always working. I was always working. Working, working, working. Can't make the meeting. I need to work. And all the meetings I needed to be at, I just never got to. And it ended up taking me a lot longer to walk around that mountain than it should have. In fact, I think if I'd been more faithful, I could have actually just avoided and worked out things a lot quicker because of my own distractions I often missed out. Or how often can we be guilty of finding reasons not to join the fellowship of the saints? I read this quote, and Haka said it's too harsh, but let me just share it with you and see what you think. <laughs> I thought it was good. I thought it was good. It says, church is a great reason to miss other things, not vice versa. That's good, eh? 
It's good. Because it's always like, oh, I'm going to miss church because I need to spend time with my puppy. I don't know, like whatever. <laughs> you know, there's always going to be a reason. Actually, we, we've spoken a lot about this coming out of COVID, where for a lot of the time, COVID was the reason why we couldn't get together. And it was a valid reason, right? It was. But I think something's changed, actually. I think, I think now that COVID's almost gone, now there's even more to distract us than there was before. Because I think with COVID, you were so excited to get to church. You're like, I've been stuck inside the whole week. This sucks. I can go to church. Yes, let's roll. And then you see people and everyone's amped and like you're still sanitizing and you've got masks and stuff, but you're still around people. And it was awesome. Now things are opening up. There's 110 reasons why you don't have to come to church. There's beautiful sunsets in Clifton. No, I shouldn't have told you that. <laughs> no, they're super average. <laughs> I posted this on Facebook this week. Uh, I said, sometimes the Sundays that you, mo- you have the most reasons not to be at church are the Sundays you really need to be at church. And I got a quite an interesting response. I might have made a few grammar mistakes, which got most of the response. And I was like, <laughs> so yeah, Facebook and grammar, it's just, uh, yeah, anyway. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty good. So the first thought is, are there things that we allow to keep us from the fellowship? The second point is, Thomas missed the very presence of God on that day. Now, you're going, well, Jesus isn't going to be at church next Sunday in the physical But Jesus is going to be at church every Sunday through the Holy Spirit and in his presence. So you go, well, if Jesus is going to be there, then I want to make every effort to be there. Because as Mike said so amazingly, sometimes when you get together with fellow believers, you're reminded of your first love. Do you know what it's like when someone gets saved for the first time? They come to the front and give their life to the Lord. Don't you think back to the time you got saved? Or when you go to a wedding, it's like going to a wedding. Whenever I go to a wedding, how can I always think about our wedding day? It's, so, it's like, yes, our wedding day. It was incredible. And like, weddings are so cool and they're super romantic and it's like, it's super cool. But it's the same with the day we got saved. When we see people coming to the front and giving their life to Christ, then do we think back to that day, the day that we gave our life to Christ? Because God is with us. Emmanuel, the Bible says Emmanuel, God with us. Which means that he is with us every Sunday and every time that we meet. And yes, we meet with him individually, which is incredible. But there is something about Christ being in the midst of people that are gathered together to seek him. Okay. You guys are very quiet. Are you all fine? Okay, good. Good. And I think, you know, I was speaking to someone this week with Ross, actually, and we were talking about church on Zoom. Because what's happened post-COVID is we have conferences, but we have links that you can watch it on. It's great. And she was going, or I was going, it's not, as, it's not really the same. Like, being at a conference where the band is pumping is awesome, and then the worship is, and then the, 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 the preach is amazing. But then being at home on your laptop in the lounge 
You kind of miss out. You, generally, you miss out something. So I was saying this, going, ah, oh, you know, here's my great point. She was going, yeah, sometimes, because actually I was watching the prayer thing online, and I got healed. I was like, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> That's that argument settled, right? Anyway, generally, it's better to be in the presence of fellow saints at that kind of thing. They are the exception. Her knee got healed, right? Yeah. She woke up the next day, she could hardly walk, and her knee was completely healed. So her knee, right now. By being together, we create opportunities for God to move, but also opportunities for the saints to minister to each other and to be ministered to. And we are all, as, as um, we said earlier, a priesthood of all believers. Now, there's something about when you meet together as believers and saints, when you're praying for people in your congregation, there's something in that that binds you closer together, I think. I can think quite vividly of people who have prayed for me and have, and have been with me at a certain period of time. Julian, for instance, often would be praying for me for breakthrough in certain areas. And that has knitted us together in some way. It's like he's been at pivotal moments in my life. And it's all happened in the life of the church. As, as we said in the worship, what then should we say, brothers? When you come together, everyone has a psalm or a a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation, all of this must be done for the building up of the church. Russ, uh, no, I can't answer that now. <laughs> okay, third point. I'm not going to labor that one any longer. Thomas was... Thomas was known, and this is quite an important point for me, just as we've seen what Thomas missed, and by the grace of God, he experienced it again, and sometimes what we can miss by, by missing being in the fellowship of the saints together. But Thomas's name is the only name that is mentioned in this narrative, which is interesting, and I think it is quite significant why is it significant? Because Thomas mattered. Because the fact that Thomas missed what was happening mattered to God and to the other disciples. The fact that he was absent or wasn't there, or, it doesn't mean that he was looked over or ignored. They could have just said, we met and it was awesome, and that was the end of it. Well, Thomas's name is mentioned Specifically. And on the back of that, everyone here and everyone who is not here matters. <laughs> Isn't that what church is about? Everyone here and those who are not here who are part of us are valued and loved and are brothers and sisters in the faith and are vital members of this community. I hope you all feel that. <laughs> because you are. Carol matters. She is a part of our community. Right? Rod matters. It matters that you're here. 
Vanessa matters, Ronan matters, Craig, Joni, Mike, everyone in this room matters. And are loved by us as a family and loved by God. Now I finished three points and the, the, the points were about spending time with God, about being in God's presence, about not missing what God is doing and about being known by name and being part of this community. Now, for some of you, if you're like me, you're going, well, Dylan, you're being a little bit legalistic now, and you're just trying to tick a box, telling us that we have to be here every Sunday. That might be what you heard. <laughs> I hope it's not. And if you leave here, go back and listen to the recording, and at this point... Realize that that's not what I'm saying. My heart is not to force people to come to any meeting. My heart is not to guilt anyone into coming to any meeting. My heart as a shepherd is always that everyone would be together in one place so that we as a body can move forward under the headship of Christ. And that doesn't mean that sometimes we don't get sick. We do. My wife is not here tonight. Doesn't mean that we don't go on holiday. I'm going on holiday in two weeks' time. I'm very excited about that. I will not be at church. Mike will be preaching. Hooray for me. <laughs> we go on breaks. Things break down. Kids break down. <laughs> it happens. I get it. This is not a case of going like, if you're on, the way, you're on the way to church and you're in a car accident and then the ambulance pulls up and he's like, okay, your leg's broken, I think we need to take you to hospital. And you're like, no, I need to go to Joshua and Musenberg, otherwise my pastor will see that I'm not there. That is not going to work. I don't want to see you being rolled in on a stretcher with a broken leg going, I'm here. I'm like, no, go to hospital, bro. Like, you don't need to be here. This is insane. Well, yeah, I mean, A for effort. <laughs> Okay, yeah, you see, like, like Rossi is getting way too spiritual here. <laughs> we could pray for healing. <laughs> but please hear what I'm saying. Please, please, please hear what I'm saying. Obviously, there's times that we won't be able to get here. I get that. But as our heart to be here nine times out of ten because of what God is doing in this place. Because this is a family, and we spend time together on Sunday from 4 to 6. And here, here's, here's one. And before I say that, I am a shepherd by heart. I, I, man, I will love people to my own detriment. And because it's my nature of who I am, I almost can't help it. I'm almost like, I have to love people and help them and try to win them over and get them through. So, if I don't see someone here on a, a Sunday evening, I said this to Marie Eve, I was like, do you know what, when I come in on a Sunday and I love to see all the people that come, but often I'm going, ah, where are the sheep that aren't here? And my shepherd's heart is like, yes, I hope they're okay. And if they're not here for two weeks, I'm like, yeesh, okay. I'm really worried. And that keeps me up at night more than anything. So, sometimes people go, 
well, why do you always phone me on a Monday when I miss church? <laughs> because you just, look, let's be honest. When you've missed church on a Sunday and Dylan's phoning you, you're like, ah, oh, bro, he's checking up on me. <laughs> or if one of the deacons are phoning you and going, hey, hey. and I think, I think if that is your heart, let me explain this to you. That when I phone or someone phones you on a Monday, if you've missed a service, it is never to check up on you. It is always to check in. Okay. They're not phoning you going, why weren't you at church? I was sick. That's a lame excuse, bro. You should have been there. If they do, you can tell me and I will speak to them. But whenever I'm phoning someone, my shepherd heart is going, why weren't you at church? Are you okay? A shepherd never goes to a sheep, why weren't you in the pen? Were you, what was wrong with you? He's going, I need to find you and pull you back because I love you. Please come back. Is this making sense? I hope you're getting my heart in this. So if I do call you, please know that I love you dearly. And I'm fine to see how you are. I'm sure love thinks the best. I'm sure you, if you were in a church, you have a great reason. And I honestly, I mean that with all sincerity. I follow someone, um, oh, I follow lots of people. <laughs> Debbie, that is very inappropriate. <laughs> I follow lots of people online. I should have qualified that. And uh, mostly, I, I, the spiritual answer is mostly I follow Jesus. But um, someone that I follow and I hold in high esteem said this. We create history together, then we make history together. Now, that person is Ross Lahana. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it is such a, it's such a truth, right? We create history in this place together by praying for one another, by being with one another, by worshiping with one another. By sitting under the word, by being at calm, by just, by just encouraging one another always. We're creating some kind of history together as a people. Like we, Mike and I have got a certain history as much as um, Rodney and I have got a certain history and a, and a journey we've walked out together. And that binds us together with chords that cannot be broken, right? <laughs> but it's amazing how history does bind you together. And I think as, as people who have history and have been bound together, is way more, um, you make way more impact and you make more history together when you're with the people that you're making history with. Does that make sense? That's a great line, Ross. I just stole it, but hey. I'm giving you credit, right? If you weren't here, I wouldn't give you credit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll take it, bro. I mean, if you want to give it to me, I'll take it. No jokes. And I do pray that our hearts would always be meeting together. And not in a legalistic sense. I was in, I was in um, Milneton today. And while I was praying for, the, for a salvation prayer, I don't know why, I've never prayed this before, but I just felt to say, you could have been in this church for a long time and you still might not be saved. Because, and I told the story of leaders camp where two or three weeks ago we went to a leaders camp and there, there were leaders at the camp because it was a leaders camp. And someone gave their heart to Christ. 
Now, that person was seen as someone who could, as a wife of a leader, could potentially be in a place of leadership and they hadn't yet found salvation in Christ. And that's fine. That's actually amazing. At least she's found it, right? Our heart is that we'd always want to meet together and spend time together. Because in Acts 2.46 it says this, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I think that really is the heart of church. 